0: Hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Did you know people that listen to the Dynasty Crossroads Show are 20% more likely to be happy? Probably, maybe. This and other maybe facts of the Dynasty Crossroads. Check it out. Yeah! Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing
1: the. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Matt, and we are missing Ryan on this 547th episode of the pod. We got... We got Ryan on assignment, but the boys will hang. We'll, we'll do our best to make up for all the stats and ADP and stuff that he brings to the show, right, Matt?
0: Yeah, I mean, I just assume he won all, like, 74 leagues he was in and took off and is uh, gallivanting around somewhere with all that prize money, so uh, um, we'll, I, I hope he'll be back. Those man. deep pockets. They got deeper. <laughs>
1: they got deeper, for sure. Uh, week 16 edition of the pod. We hope you enjoyed all the football this past weekend. Hope you enjoyed family with the holiday weekend time off of work all that stuff maybe it's time to get back to the grind of the weekly minutiae that we all go through for some of you as well but we got a lot to cover this week we got our sleeper stash of the week we're gonna get down with adp we're talking tight end rankings uh first we got a startup to hit though the startup. Yeah, the startup this week kind of comes out of nowhere, Matt. It's Cam Akers. If you look up who was the RB1 among all fantasy running backs this week, it was Mr. Akers out there in Los Angeles. 23 carries, 118 yards, and three touchdowns. Also caught two passes for 29, Matt, and it probably helped nobody.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you had him in your lineup... I don't know how you were in the playoffs, counting on him, or made the the decision to click that button. If you had made the playoffs, not starting him all season, I assume. But um, just insane. This guy has had such a roller coaster of a of a season. You know, going into the to just career, such high expectations really. um, to start the season. Yeah, uh, for the career for sure, but especially like this season. I would say you know after after coming back and showing up in the playoffs and hey, my Achilles is fine. Uh, you know, all excited about for for week one and kind of pretty underwhelming and then he's almost like seems like he's almost at the point where he's out of the league. They try try to trade him, or at least the rumors were out there they are trying to trade him. That didn't happen before the deadline and then just healthy scratch after healthy scratch and I mean when you have nothing else left on the team and no reason to play for, I guess why not throw Cam makers back in there, right?
1: I guess so. That was that was odd to say the least for me. I was watching that game. It was a standalone game, of course, on Christmas Day and there wasn't a lot to root for in it. Uh, in my matchups, I didn't have a single player going in that one. But coming off a game where he scored 13 fantasy points, PPR League, in Week 15, 9.3 the week before, had 19 in Week 13 against Seattle, I guess there's a chance somebody had him as their last flex. if they Maybe if they had Jonathan Taylor and somehow survived last week. I was going through rosters and did see in one of my leagues my buddy Joe had him in, and he's going to help wow. him move on to the next round. He could be... I hate to say it, Campbell Akers could be a week winner, or a league winner, potentially. And that's just crazy, especially in redraft, where he might have been on the waiver wire and could help somebody down the stretch here. 34.7 fantasy points, Matt. And the RB1, as I said, for the week, easily his best fantasy performance Of his career, his previous high was twenty-one point four PPR fantasy points in Week fourteen of his rookie season, all the way back in twenty twenty. That that performance this past week in Week sixteen against the Broncos that represents thirty-one point two percent of his twenty (laughs) twenty two fantasy scoring and sixteen percent of the fantasy points he's scored in his career in twenty six games. That's a, that's a crazy stat when you consider that Cam Akers was a fringe RB1 at one point in Dynasty.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, we had him, I think when we were doing these running back exercises earlier this season and earlier in the, in the last offseason, we were looking at it. And, uh, you know, before the start of the 2021 season, he was a mid-RB1. <laughs> it's completely falling off the radar now. Um, certainly need to readjust that. I just question, like, you know it's just such a weird hard team to analyze for fantasy purposes you have baker mayfield coming in 24 out of 28 maybe his best efficiency game of the last two seasons probably i would say um and when this team has nothing to play for and all of the weapons are hurt or or gone or or whatever that's when they start they come out and play this efficient game so it's just you know are the rumors that pay, uh, that uh, sean mcveigh are going to be gone or is Master staff, staff are going to be gone like uh, like i we just i just feel like we have no information about what's going to happen for the rams in uh 2023 but with acres playing like this and and seemingly all the way back from this achilles injury it's like i mean there's no reason for them to really take a running back high they certainly don't have the draft picks to to, to spend on that so maybe he is the, the running back one starter for the the rams going into next season and we really need to evaluate that um this offseason in terms of what we're going to do with him as a dynasty asset
1: Well, I think you make a good point there that they don't have to have the draft capital to go get somebody in the draft. But maybe one of these veterans that's going to be moving around from team to team this offseason might come over on a cheap contract to be a... with a team that has had some recent success, has a good defense in place, has the coach, and potentially the quarterback. There was news this past week that Stafford did want to return to LA and be the starter once again. Cup's going to be back. That offense should be put back together again next year. And I think the expectation will be that they're a playoff contender again, and hopefully, uh, for their fans at least, and the people in that building, potentially a Super Bowl contender once again. We'll see how that plays out. But it does make you think that Akers going into the offseason is probably in the lead role in that backfield. And that's a role if Cup is there and creating chaos on the outside. You want a piece of that offense. And it's in if it's in Cam Akers, who right now comes in at RB38, all the way down there in the 10th round at 119 overall, Matt, that's a cheap way to buy into an offense that could have a resurgence next year
0: yeah and i want <clears throat> I wonder if he strings together another uh, nice game or two uh Do you have it mentioned here we 've got you know the chargers uh coming up uh they have been they've got certainly been playing better as of late uh, against the run. Um, but you know they're they're kind of a pass funnel fun, or excuse me a run funnel defense at this point uh, even with them playing a little bit better. So if he has a good game there, and then the Seahawks in, in the final week of the of the NFL season, also not a bad matchup. He strings together two or three of these uh, nice games to end the season. Then we're certainly going to have a conversation of, of him having of we, us needing to move them up. I certainly need to move them up. I have them down in the running back three four range right now, um, and he probably deserves to be higher than that just based on really what he's done for the last few weeks so um definitely an interesting interesting player and we need to figure out what we're doing with him
1: yeah the chargers you mentioned they play them next week uh a road game for (laughs) uh for the rams in their home stadium but they're uh they've given up the sixth most fantasy points to running backs over the entire season. And then you you talked about that Seahawks matchup. They've given up the second most fantasy points to running backs over the season and, and have been give, leaking like a sieve here of late. So there is an opportunity that the team seems to be rallying around Baker Mayfield and this coaching staff a little bit. And maybe that's enough to, to really invigorate uh, Cam Cam's dynasty value here m- moving forward. I, I, I kinda think it's gonna. They're gonna run the ball a lot over the next couple of weeks, and we're gonna see what Cam Akers has to offer. Uh certainly a guy that if you had written off, you need to think twice about before moving on from him.
0: Sleeper Stash of the Week.
1: Yeah, it's time for the sleeper stash of the week where we take a look at a player outside the top two hundred in Dynasty ADP that you should consider stashing. And I have the sleeper stash of the week this week, and I chose Irv Smith Jr. You might be thinking to yourself right now, wait a minute, Irv Smith Jr., he's he's burned this bridge already. Uh we've moved on from from Big Irv up there in Minnesota, and so have the Vikings, but I was looking at it, his ADP, Matt, and he's all the way down there at 248 overall. Tight end 35, so barely a tight end three. And, you know, I get it. If you had Irv over the last three seasons, you know about the production. And it's shaky at best. Just 88 catches for 120, or excuse, I can't remember. I think it's 823 yards. And nine touchdowns in 36 career games. Um, missed a lot of time over over his first three seasons. Like I said, the honeymoon is over in Minnesota now that the Vikings, they have TJ Hawkinson, who's just blowing up, and he did in Week 16. But Irv is close to returning from a high ankle sprain, and uh, I think he could be a trade candidate this offseason. Kind of a post-hype sleeper, potentially. Uh, maybe he just needs needs a, a fresh start to recover some of that dynasty value. So, you know, I, I just don't want dynasty managers to forget that he was a raw prospect coming out of Alabama, so young. we kind of knew that he needed some time to mature, right, Matt?
0: Yeah, so young. I mean, just 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 twenty four now, has seemingly been in the league for five five four years, five years. Uh, so like, just came in. I think he was twenty when he when he entered the league. So he's just got a lot of and, and he was new to the tight end position too. I think he only played tight end for the was it the last two seasons at Alabama. So a uh, lot of lots of learning still to do. Hopefully, a change of of uh, scenery. Um, will be good for him. I, one note that I had when he wrote this down, I couldn't believe he was all the way down at tight end thirty-five. We used to have this guy as a fringe fringe tight end one. So <laughs> if mm-hmm. he is if he is going to come back and have value for another team, um, I mean this is bottom of the barrel prices for for a guy as, yeah, we- as talented as he is. <laughs>
1: I don't want to paint everything's rose-colored and going to be great with Irv Smith Jr. because he's had his ups and downs for sure. Uh, had some some balls clank off his hands. That's been a problem in the past. And the injuries, they're just mounting up. He has to stay on the field. But we gotta we got to remember that he's a seam stretcher. He's that inline tight end that can get up the field. He's too fast for linebackers to take on. Way too big for most safeties to handle. And he has sneaky quickness and the size and athleticism to, to be a presence in the end zone. So... At this point, at tight end 35, he's a throw-in in most dynasty trades that he's involved in. Many dynasty managers are looking to move on from him. So adding him as a stash, the last guy on your roster, and maybe your tight end three... On your roster, that feels like something I'm willing to do if I can go get Irv added to a trade that I'm doing this offseason. So Irv Smith Jr., he's your Stash of the Week, brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy, the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world. It's built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league-related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. We are always down with ADP here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast, and Matt. We thought this week with Ryan away, we'd uh, we wouldn't talk about those RB ones and and uh, wide receiver ones. Let's talk about the RB twos and wide receiver twos. A little more in depth conversation about these guys these honestly these are the guys that are going to be moving throughout the off season up and down and, and around especially when that rookie class that I'm so excited about comes in here so let's let's go through all 12 of these guys according to December ADP and try to try to pinpoint whether they belong there whether they're going to stay there or uh, or if they're going to be moving on down the list here coming up throughout this off season let's start at running back and that starts at RB13 Matt and it's Joe Mixon from Cincinnati. He has an ADP of 26.3 at, uh, as I said, RB13. So feels like a guy that is, is lumped in with a lot of these other 26, 27-year-old running backs like Dalvin Cook, like Alvin Kamara, guys we're going to talk about here shortly. And this is the point where we're moving on from these guys typically, but he's in an awfully nice situation there in Cincinnati.
0: He is. Uh, I the thing I question about Mixon is if this is really his his backfield. You know, at this point, I mean, I mean, he is certainly the lead back there. But I think that stretch when he uh, missed and Samaje Ryan came in, uh, played extremely well, and now now with Mix again Mixon back healthy, we see P. Ryan more involved than he was uh, earlier on in the season. So he's been efficient. He's been good as a pass protector. He's been been good, great as a pass catcher, um, and. Uh, you know, it didn't really materialize this, this week in terms of production. Uh, Mixon uh, out-targeted him nine to four, uh, out-carried him sixteen to four. Um, so this it may be it may be nothing. He may he may get this role back entirely to himself. Um, but with his age advancing, you know, I just feel like somebody's gonna gonna work themselves in there. If, if it's not P Ryan, it's somebody else that they bring in next season. So um, I do think he's moving down based on the age. He hasn't been nearly as efficient as he has uh, as a runner or a receiver as he has in past years. So I mean, that's a little bit of a reg flag. But the role is just incredible for that offense that he's in. That he's never going to see stack boxes with that quarterback and those receivers around him um, but I just I don't know I don't get that 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 rosy feeling when I think about Joe Mixon I feel like he's going to be a running back too he's pr- pretty much locked into this range from 13 to 24 but I don't really see a scenario where he could move in, into the, the top 12 uh, uh, anymore like some of the other players on this list we're going to talk about.
1: Yeah, certainly can't move up. I see him moving closer to the bottom of these RB2 ranks than the top here over the next handful of months actually. And you know, while while I I think your concern is valid that maybe the Bengals see him as that full-time uh, you know, between the tackles and pass catcher running back that, that we've seen him play that role in the past. Maybe they see him more as a first and second down guy that they'll mix into the passing game. And that'll hurt his fantasy value. But that contract he signed a couple of years ago in 2021, that was that was a big one, right? He's, he's There are no outs in this contract. They gave him all that guaranteed money. He signed through 2024. So two additional years of Joe Mixon in Cincinnati. And we're going to see a lot of him over that stretch. I think he... I'm, I'm with you. He stays as an RB2 and certainly a guy you want to start over the next couple years. But if you're looking for the highest value you can get for Joe Mixon, now's the time because he, he can go nowhere but down from here. How about Derrick Henry, another aging uh, running back? He's 28 years old, so a couple years older even, Matt, and a guy that we've relied on so much to be an RB1 in our in our starting lineup but we're only paying RB2 prices when they're out, we're out there on the market for this guy. I love Derrick Henry. I love having him on my team because he outperforms what I paid for him on every single roster I have. But that, that wear and tear is, is grinding on Derrick Henry. And the time, the time to get what you can for him may have passed, actually.
0: Yeah, I think on on contending teams, he's going to be someone that I look to add, I think, this offseason. He will be entering the season at at 29 years old, will be finishing the season near 30 years old. So he's at that kind of age cliff. But we've seen him just – he's just been a different kind of player throughout his career. Uh, You know, low low mileage earlier in his career and then obviously incredibly heavy usage over the last three to four seasons. Um, But, you know, we've talked a lot about playing this position – as a redraft kind of position because who knows what's going to happen year to year with these running backs and Henry, I mean, it feels to me he's going to be back in a similar situation as he um, next year, as he is this year, you know, it, it's hard to see him really breaking down from what he does. And the really nice thing we've seen from Henry this year is continue to increase that involvement in the passing games up near 10% target share on the season, uh, which is extremely good for a running back and a very good for, for a, a, a running back who is in the mold of Derek Henry. Right. So, Um, We can send you to see it that increases value to fantasy uh, managers that way um and you know 1400 yards again already this year like it just seems like he's going to be locked in for that 1200 yards and, and undergoing this this current usage that he is now and what's really going to change from that perspective next year uh, Hassan, Hassan Haskin looks looks very good Dontrell Hilliard is great as a receiver out of the backfield at times but there's no th- this this offense just still feels like it's Derrick Henry's team and I don't really necessarily see that changing uh next year
1: Yeah, I don't see it changing in the short term either. He's a guy I already have on so many teams because you could buy him when he was 26 at the price he is right now still, and you got RB1 numbers in between. So I don't mind buying him either. What's the cost right now? If you're going out and getting Derrick Henry, you still got to probably pay a late first, and that seems like too much. Hopefully you can package a second with something else.
0: I bet if we get closer to the rookie rookie draft season, you know people are going to want these young these young and up and coming running backs. Uh, I think we have a list of like that's like ten deep of, of players that could end up as you know at least rotational starters as running backs uh, at some point in their career uh, being drafted in twenty twenty three. So I think player people are going to want those. I'm not saying you're going to be able to get them for a single second round pick, but I, I bet you'll be able to get them for cheaper than a first um, once we get into the heart of rookie draft season. Let's keep moving and
1: move on to the RB15. That's Tony Pollard. He's a fourth-round startup pick right now. And to be honest with you, Matt, I, I really do feel like he's he's peaking in his dynasty value. Uh, I know he's just 25 years old, but... That's, that's hard to say about a running back. When you say just 25, that's typically a, a statement you make with a quarterback or a wide receiver, not a running back who's finally getting that bigger workload that we've always craved with him, but is is really teetering on where you can give him this big workload and keep him on the field and healthy and as, as dynamic as he has been. What are your thoughts on Pollard staying as an RB2?
0: I, I feel like he's – geez, it's really hard. I think if we look at just next next uh, month's ADP, he's probably going to stay in this range. Um, but if we look longer term out, I think it's really going to depend on what happens to him this offseason. Ezekiel Elliott has, still has a huge contract, so he's not going anywhere. Pollard is actually a, an a unrestricted free agent after this season. So is Dallas going to bring them back and pay two running backs? Um, that I just don't know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like they're not Does going to like do that. Like- yeah, I feel like they're not going to do that. But, um, you know, if he lands up in, in a spot where they're going to give him – have him lead a committee instead of be the second part of a committee, um, then I think we could could see him, you know, touch the, the fringe area of the of, the, of the running back ones. So he hit, hit running back 12, 13, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So um, I don't really want to pay the price. I do think his price is a little bit inflated right now. I'd rather wait. Um, and see what happens, what shakes out with him this, this off season, as he is an unrestricted free agent, and then kind of go from there because I don't think the price is going to get significantly higher than what it is. Like you mentioned, it's already inflated a little bit. If he gets up into the third round of, of startups instead of the, the fourth round, or is it really that uh, much more expensive? I just, I just don't think so. So I'd rather pay that small premium and have more information than pay uh, the premium that he carries right now and not know what's going to happen in the future.
1: There's just other backs in this range that if I'm paying that price, I'm going to go after those guys rather than Tony Pollard. There's too many yeah. unknowns, and I'm, I'm just not convinced he can handle that that big workload over an, a big, uh, long set of time. I'll be moving on from him in a couple leagues that I have him uh, this coming offseason. Uh, let's keep keep moving through these. we got to speed up just a little bit. How about Dalvin Cook, another 27-year-old running back, uh, getting up there in age, Matt, but still a big part of that Vikings offense.
0: Yeah, he's been kind of spotty this 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 season. You know, I mean, you can say that about a lot of players. Obviously, even the studs have their down weeks, but it just feels like there's been more down weeks than up for Dalvin Cook. Obviously, the huge one, uh, huge game two weeks ago. Uh, but uh, I think he's moving down closer to the the bottom of this range. I think he's going to stay as a running back too, but, you know, like like Mixon, like Henry, down towards 24, uh, then, uh, you know, closer to 24 than 12, I guess I would say.
1: Big contract there in Minnesota, but a potential out after this season uh, with just $6 million in dead cap. So we'll see if that factors in. Have a hard time seeing them move on this offseason just yet, but – Uh, Like I said, big part of that offense. How about Damian Pierce? He comes in at running back 17. Another guy that may be reaching the the top of his potential uh, as far as ADP goes. Can't see him moving into the RB1 conversation in that Houston offense, but certainly a guy that everybody who listens to this show knows I really like.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's clearly talented. It's just the, the bad offense that he's on. Hopefully, it gets, be, gets better with the quarterback selection. That that seems inevitable at this point. Obviously, we have some work to do on the offensive line, but that team plays hard. Like from a defenses perspective, they you know they took it to to Kansas City. Didn't come away with a win, obviously, but uh, played them a lot stronger than I thought they were going to. So uh, I think there's potential just based on age and upside that he could move up closer to the running back one range. But again, we have so many young studs coming in in this 2023 class. Um, it's going to be. It's going to feel difficult to put Pierce up there, and also because uh, just because of the player that he is, I think he's one of those players that are going to be uh, kind of looking over their shoulder for most of their career. So um, I'll I'll buy if it goes down. I do think his price is going to decrease as we go through this offseason a bit, and with that injury, you know how we how we're, we're kind of, kind of, we all fall uh victim to recency bias. And he has, he's not going to, at that point, he's not going to be on the field for, for several weeks. Uh, and we're going to, I think just, just based on that, he's going to drop to the lower end of this range, maybe completely out of it by the, by, by rookie draft season.
1: Speaking of injured running backs, Javante Williams just 22 years old and missed the entire season really with the Broncos, now he's fallen to a mid-RB2 price tag. They're going to have a new head coach there in Denver. They're going to bring in a new scheme. Everything's going to change back up. Are we going to reset this Javante Williams thing this offseason?
0: Man, I really think we are. I think he's going to be back in that running back one range when we see him healthy. I know Ryan has serious uh, reservations about him already and is going to be looking to move on, but... I just think we've, we look, we look back at how we felt about him at the beginning of this season b- before they signed Melvin Gordon. Uh, you know, maybe he doesn't ever have the 100% workload uh, like these true bell cows, but we know that he's really good. He's on a team that should be a lot better than they have been this season. And hopefully with a new coaching staff and, and Javante being completely healthy, we get that role that we want for him. So I'm going to say he stays in this range for now, but I think by the, by the by the time we get to uh, you know, the, the preseason next year, we're going to be back in love with Javante Williams. To me, if there's one
1: guy on this list that that most feels like dynasty managers will fall back in love, it's Javante Williams. Yeah. And, and the hype train might get going again here in a couple months. We, we got to remember, all these guys are going to take a hit because we got a bunch of rookies coming in. Javante Williams is the closest one to these guys' age. He's just 22 years old. He's been in the league now for a couple of years. I know he's going to be in his third system and third head coach and all those things, but if if there's a, a high upside guy among this group that we're talking about, it's probably Javante. Speaking of high upside, Rashad White has shown a little bit of that recently. He comes in at RB19, 23 years old. Is he just a... Just a secondary guy in a backfield, or can he handle a bigger workload, Matt? Because again, I feel like RB two is about as high as he can get.
0: I, I think I'm on the other end of this one. I think he, I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if I think he's going to be a running back one from an ADP standpoint, but I think he can perform like a running back one and has has done so in limited opportunities. We saw Fournette. Uh, come back in week 16 and really kind of dominate the touches again especially in the receiving game which we know is, is really Rashad White's bread and butter um, but uh, we'll see what happens with Lenny next year we'll see what happens with Brady next year is he going to be in Tampa this could be a very bad team next year and you know for a receiving back that, that that's not always the worst thing to, to suck up a bunch of those dump off kind of targets and Rashad White can do way more than be a dump off uh, target in the receiving game um, but I, 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 I don't think he's close to his ceiling here at running back 19 I think he can go much higher
1: hmm okay so we differ slightly on that one let's let's lump a few of these guys together rb20 through rb23 all guys that have been around just a little bit maybe jk dobbins the one the one out outsider in this group alvin kamara at rb20 he's 27 years old jk dobbins going to be 24 at RB21, then your RB22 is Miles Sanders, the 25-year-old, and Aaron Jones is 28 now. He's the RB23. These guys all feel like similar players, maybe for different reasons, but they're all similarly valued and and really valued correctly right now. Who out of this group is moving up, if any, and, and who's moving down?
0: I think it's only Dobbins that's moving up. I know we both have a soft spot for him. I, I, I really do think that he's a running back one and waiting from a production standpoint. Uh, and once he gets there, once he's fully back from this injury, we've still seen him kind of dragging a leg a little bit. Um, so I hope another uh, off-season of work and getting healthy is going to get him back to where we thought he was. I really I really honestly thought he was going to be close to the league in league rushing yards uh, this season. And, you know, he got banged up again, the injury resurfaced, and that just didn't happen. But he's looked really good since coming back, despite the, the still obvious lingering issues with that.
1: It really does feel, Matt, like this group of, of aging tailbacks at 27-year-old guys, Elvin uh, Kamara, Jay, um, Miles Sanders, and Aaron Jones. That's a list of three guys that we're going to be talking about RB3 price tags here real soon, maybe as soon as this offseason pre-NFL draft I'm, uh, you know, seeing that age next to Aaron Jones's name. He's a dynamic, quick, speedy running back, but 28 years old. That doesn't treat that that age group doesn't treat running backs all that well. And he's signed in Green Bay for a couple more years, but I, I see him dipping into that RB three range, and maybe maybe you can hang on and get some production in the short term from guys like Kamara and Jones, but but the time is coming to an end where these guys are going to be easy uh, clicks next to their name every single Sunday. The last guy we should talk about, uh, RB24, another young guy, Isaiah Pacheco. We've spent some time on him recently, Matt. If you had to bet, by this time next year, is he higher or lower than RB24?
0: I think he's lower. I I just think he's – we've said it a couple of times he's the empty calorie back that happened again this this week uh you know mckinnon didn't have a blow-up week like he had the two previous weeks but still pacheco finished with i think like 10 ppr points and he's i said to somebody who asked me if they should start pacheco over somebody i was like if you like if you like eight to ten points pacheco's your guy because that just seems like where he's always going to be um he doesn't get the high value touches either in the receiving game or near the goal line um and those are what we want for fantasy and the backs that don't get those touches are the ones that kind of fall by the wayside for me.
1: He had a 32-yard catch in that game on Saturday and if he doesn't have that, he has a very pedestrian Six points, I think, stat line. That, yeah. yeah, 14 <laughs> carries for 58 yards. So not a part of the passing game and that's that really isn't a big part of his skill set. Uh let's move on to the wide receivers and we got to move through these relatively yep. quickly. Let's see who we think is going to go up and down out of this group. Starting at wide receiver 13, Debo Samuel, going to be 27 years old soon. Hopefully he returns for the 49ers playoff run. We can see how healthy he is. I love that guy when he's on the field, and when he's getting those opportunities around the line of scrimmage. But staying healthy has become a problem for him, for one thing, and there are so many miles to feed down there in San Fran.
0: Yeah, um, I, I I think wide receiver is is far too expensive for. Excuse me, wide receiver thirteen is far too expensive a price for Debo. But if he gets down near the bottom of this this group, down towards wide receiver twenty four, maybe even outside of the the the, the top. Uh, 24 receivers. At that point, I think he does become a value. We know he's he's such a yak monster after the catch. They just got to get the ball in his hands uh, and he can make it happen. Um, so I, I, I'm in on Debo at the prices where, that I think he's going to be at this offseason, but not at his current prices.
1: There are some young guys that we're about to talk to. Drake London, uh, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, those kind of players. They're going to overtake Debo this yep. offseason and Debo will settle in in the 20 range. And that feels a lot better because really you want to click on his name as a, as a wide receiver too anyway, With because he has the wide receiver one upside, but he certainly has the potential to goose on you and get you those two catches for 21 yards and one carry for 10. Next guy is one of those young guys. It's Drake London, 21 years old, wide receiver 14, and he belongs here, Matt. If there's a guy on this list that we're about to talk about that's going to be an RB or a wide receiver one very soon... It is Drake London. He's come on strong the last few weeks.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, it's just a matter of pass volume with this team. Ritter is not the answer. Hopefully they're able, able to figure out the quarterback situation. Um, and Arthur Smith, uh, you know, joins the, the the 21st century in terms of a passing offense um, <laughs> and how much he should be passing versus running. And, and you can't really fault him, I guess. They have been winning. They're, they've been competitive with this game plan. Um, but I I just think you can only take it so far. So uh, Drake London is a wide receiver one, both in the NFL and I think in in Dynasty. Uh, We just need the volume to come up for him to realize that potential.
1: Yeah, London has at least six catches and at least 70 yards receiving with at least nine targets in each of their last three games. He's a big part of that offense. And if you're watching Atlanta, uh, if you're if you're not a Falcons fan, you're probably not watching a lot of the Atlanta Falcons offense right now. He is the best player on that offense. He's making big catches. He skied for one right around the goal line on Saturday. That was an impressive catch on a post route uh, between two defenders in the zone. That's his game. He's he's a big post player. He's a he's a forward playing wide receiver. Uh, he also had a really nice catch down the left sideline against Marlon Humphrey. Um, that was a contested catch. Those are the kind of plays he's going to make, and pretty soon he's going to be making them in the end zone for touchdowns. And uh, he has he has like Mike Williams written all over him. Even Mike Evans, that kind of playmaking ability around the goal line, double digit touchdown type guy in Drake London couple veterans here at wide receiver 15 and 16 Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams of course Cup almost 30 years old in fact both of these guys are just about 30 they cup with the injury Devontae Adams has been has been a disappointment frankly the last couple of, of weeks which has been a big surprise Adams is so good what are your thoughts on these guys they're 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 probably destined to stay in this wide receiver two range in Dynasty.
0: Yeah, I think so, just because of how talented they are. Adams has absolutely crushed playoff teams the last two weeks. Uh, I managed to skate by in week 15, and one league with Adams did not make a bye in, in, in week uh, 16 here with him. So, uh, But we know what he can do. I think it's more of a product of – Uh, really the quarterback (laughs) and the play calling than it is uh, uh, really a a condemnation of Adams and his talent there Uh, at 30 years old he doesn't look any different than he did at 27 years old to me Uh, in fact maybe more savvy more productive Uh, from a route running standpoint and Cooper Cup I think you know as long as Stafford is back if McVay is back Cooper Putt Cup is going to be a wide receiver one from a production standpoint in 2023 Um, so no reason to drop him out of this range I don't think but he's also they're both also both at the age range where there's no way they're going to rejoin the wide receiver one ranks I don't think
1: yeah, they'll be wide receiver ones in production, though. Speaking of Cup, he played those nine games. Of course, the last one he got hurt early and had just, I think it was one catch. In the, actually, I think he caught three passes but had negative yardage in that game. Um, his down games before that were 16.4 mm-hmm. and 16.7 fantasy points. He was well over 20 points in every other game. This past season. So I don't think we're expecting a dip in production from either of these guys. They're going to put up wide receiver one production. You only want them on your roster if you are a contender. Speaking of which, Chris Godwin, he is helping contenders right now. Wide receiver 17. He's going to be 27 pretty soon. Matt, he's one of my favorite football players to watch. He's that grinder that plays the slot. And he'll be a lead blocker for Leonard Fournette in between the tackles. He's he's great to watch. But he gets hurt because of it, suffered an injury last year, kind of slow to come back. And they mentioned on the broadcast last night or on Saturday, Sunday night that Godwin himself says he's not even 100% still, Yeah, and he's a year out from that injury. So if he's playing this well and put, putting up this kind of production, just imagine if he was healthy, but there's so much, so many things in Tampa Bay that we're not sure of, how does it all affect Godwin?
0: he has such a wide range of, of outcomes of where he could be ranked right. between now and, and and the start of next season that team seems like it's going to be in turmoil especially if Brady moves on like it it's starting to look more and more likely you know but he's like you said he's just so good it's clear that he isn't a hundred percent back uh, healthy he's not being used down the field on on deep targets uh like he has been in the past he's been kind of uh you know corralled into this short and, and intermediary which he's certainly very good at it, but he's not getting that other part of the game that we know he can Uh, can do whether that's a product the offense the quarterback the play calling uh, the injury I don't know Um, but if he gets back to that I think his ceiling is as high as any anybody on this list you know I think we could be talking about him as a wide receiver one from from a production standpoint no problem next year depending on what happens with uh, the offensive situation around him Um, and if it completely crumbles I think you could see him you know outside of the wide receiver two range Uh, so he's he's really difficult to pin down I think you know my lean is to buy him this offseason just based on how good we know he is. Um but uh yeah, I, I, I he's he's the di- most difficult one on this list for me. He's he's a guy that sometimes
1: I want to say to myself, even if Brady's gone, even if that line crumbles, he's still the guy that's going to catch the passes. He, yeah. You know, in that offense, he's still going to be productive. But it really does depend on how much falls, how much crumbles around him. He's got that massive cap hit next season he's going to be back in tampa bay we'll see if he has a passer to get him the football like i said at the beginning i love chris godwin hollywood brown is the next guy wide receiver 18 25 years old this is another situation that you're unsure of a little bit because of the coach because of the quarterback as well with his injury uh what do you think of hollywood sharing reps really with deandre hopkins down there in the desert
0: yeah, I'm. I I love Hollywood as a player. I I feel like I'm ready to move on from him, though. With the Kyler injury, probably going into into the middle of next season. I mean, I really think we're going to be waiting until you know almost fantasy playoff times of 2023 till we see his full potential unlocked again. If, if Kyler can even do that um, with presumably a new, new coaching staff. So I think he's going to be a follower this off season. I, I I could see him moving outside of this this top 24 range for sure.
1: Yeah, I can too, and you know how much I love talking up Hollywood Brown and that offense coming into this season. The The shine has worn off slightly because of the injury, because of the potential for a new coaching staff. Lots of shakeup there in Arizona. I don't know if that's good for Hollywood because those were the guys who really, really wanted them. The next couple guys, wide receiver 19 and 20 respectively, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, couple of rookies. Pickens is going to be twenty-two. Traylon Burks going to be twenty-three. Matt, which one of these guys is the first to hit the wide receiver one plateau?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to ask me a much easier question. Jeez, uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Burks. Uh, both. Jeez, ah, it's really it's really hard because the talent is so clear with both of them. With Pickens, you see it and and really and and splashes, but you can just see how limited he is by the quarterback. Uh, and 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 honestly, a little bit how they're using him too. He's running a lot of a lot of wind sprints out there um <laughs> as as some people like to say um but i think he can be used more on the short games we see we see his ability on the comeback especially uh just ability to separate and decelerate and and come back to the ball we saw that this past week um and uh he's just a player i love so much and then Burks, we finally see uh the the athleticism come out uh, pr- before that concussion that kind of knocked him down that, that that touchdown that he somehow held on through through that hit that gave him the concussion um you, you really s- saw him starting to get unlocked before that injury so I think that's going to continue there he's going to have a quarterback issue as well is Tannehill going to be back and if not is they going to hand it over to Malik Willis because clearly that is not a quarterback at this point that can support a passing offense uh, even just one target in Burks I don't think so um, we're really going to have to see what the quarterback situation is here they both obviously have it but I think Burks has has shown more uh, and, and, and limited opportunities this season than Pickens has so far. So I'm going to answer your question with Burks this Is the first one to hit wide receiver one. But I think they're both going to get there. I really do.
1: Yeah, they both certainly have the potential to – you mentioned Pickens' quarterback situation. I'm still a believer in Kenny Pickett. Oh, I think on, he dude. will continue to progress. Uh, he was clearly the best quarterback in that draft class. and And I really do think that he's the best fantasy quarterback out of that draft class still. It's just going to take time for him. Uh, but that's a conversation for another show. Let's let's lump in a few of these twenty five ish year old wide receivers that fall between wide receiver twenty one and twenty three. It's Michael Pittman. It's DJ Moore. It's Devontae Smith. How about these guys? We, do we, do we still have the same faith in Michael Pittman and DJ Moore, especially because man, they were soaring at at early in uh, in twenty twenty two.
0: I mean, from a player talent perspective, they're both fantastic, but their quarterbacks are obviously huge question marks. And it doesn't seem like either of those situations are going to be an easy fix. So <laughs> I don't know. Like we had, we had Michael Pittman up in the wide receiver low end wide receiver one range, uh, earlier this year. And especially in the off season, we had DJ Moore was like a perennial guy that was in the 10 to 15 range. Oh, uh, man. and, uh, their quarterback situation—they're just, just not getting better. The offenses around them is not getting better, so that's really going to be the key for these guys. And it's hard to see it, so I think they're going to remain the wide receiver, uh, to range. Devonte Smith is so freaking good. Uh, we, we we buried this guy for AJ Brown coming over, and he has outproduced him in numerous weeks this this season. Um, he's good enough to be the wide receiver one there if AJ Brown was to, uh, you know, if for some reason he was to be susceptible to some injuries. Um, so I think why I think we could have Devonte. Smith closer to the top of this range, a fringe wide receiver one, even with uh, with AJ Brown there. I think we should be treating these guys uh, similar to how we cheat, treat Jamar Chase and T Higgins. They're both fantastic wide receiver one level talents that just happen to be on the same team. Uh, and you know, it may be one week Smith gets it, it maybe one week Brown gets it, maybe one week they both get it. But Smith is good enough to to be a wide receiver one in this league and in Dynasty. So I think he's moving up, and these other two, DJ Moore and Michael Pittman, are staying in this. Similar range perhaps more leaning towards moving down than moving up but certainly in the wide receiver two range
1: the final wide receiver we need to talk about is Washington wideout Terry McLaurin he's 27 years old he's had a little bit of a resurgence of late playing well with Taylor Heineke under center he but he seems like the guy that's going to get you four to six maybe seven or eight catches might be flirt with 100 yards but typically right around 60 to 70 yards and if he scores he has a great game that that in ppr that creates a floor that you like but hit the days of him being a rock solid wide receiver two are long gone mad he seems like the most likely or one of the most likely guys to fall into that wide receiver three conversation this offseason
0: if he does, I will definitely be interested. I think I just think he's so good. He's good at those contested touches. He has the speed that we know about. Uh, he's a great route runner. Um, I, I just really like him. And it's, it's it's unfortunate that Wentz can't really get anything done with him. That Nicky is, for some reason, the guy that can unlock Terry McLaurin. But I have to think with better quarterback play, that's just going to continue, certainly on the upper end of the age spectrum, uh, getting into that range where we start to see dips in value. Um, if he falls to a wide receiver three range, I'm definitely going to be investing in more of Terry McLaurin. Terry uh, J- Jahan Dotson, the exciting rookie, is also uh, there and performing performed well again this season. So I think those two are going to form a really nice duo to go uh, going for in the future. Again, just another set of wide receivers that we need to fix the quarterback issue with. So I think I'm more optimistic about McLaurin than you are.
1: Dotson was a guy that I was going to bring up, actually. I'm glad you mentioned him because he, he, he's part of the reason why I feel like McLaurin's going to fall off. Dotson's been so productive and looks so good already at wide receiver 36 in uh, in 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 the most recent ADP and and a guy that, that could be moving up this offseason. We're going to see a lot of young uh, rookies come into the league and bump these guys down already. Yeah, McLaurin may be a wide receiver 3 in Dynasty ADP. But he's a guy that I'm I'm still going to want on my roster and certainly going to be willing to start every single week. Like you, I like McLaurin. I just think that there there are there are players that are going to overtake him in the coming months. Guys, we're going to take a week off from set the line because we don't have our guy Ryan. So, uh so let's move on. Dynasty rankings. Yeah, let's go through some rankings. I I was watching that football game on Saturday. It was the Vikings game, and TJ Hawkinson, once again, had a heck of a game. 13 catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns on 16 targets. Since the trade two months ago, Matt, he's played eight games, caught 52 passes for 444 yards and three touchdowns on 73 targets. That's a pace of 110 catches for just short of 1,000 yards and six touchdowns if he were to play all 17 games. So it really got me thinking, where does TJ Hawkinson belong in dynasty rankings among tight ends? And I thought me and you, since it was just the two of us, could try to come up with a consensus going into the offseason, who are the top 12 tight ends in our dynasty game? So, Matt, I throw it to you right away. Who is your tight end one going into the offseason? <sighs>
0: You know who it is? It's freaking Kyle Pitts. Still, uh, look, Mark Andrews has the production. He's the one who should be the tight end one, but that's been lacking the last several weeks. You know, he's he's let us down in big spots uh, in the fantasy playoffs. Um, I do think that's a a, a a you know a larger issue with 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 Lamar Jackson getting injured. Uh, you know, but even before that, he wasn't really really lighting it up. Uh, so I think Mark Andrews should be the guy. But for me, it's still Pitts, still the biggest combination of upside and age um all of those stats that we always throw out every week about Kyle Pitts I don't need to do it again He led the league in air yards all that kind of stuff it's it's just a product of that offense once this office Atlanta offense gets going I think Kyle Pitts is the locked in uh tight end one in dynasty once that until that happens there's obviously a a discussion to be had here I know uh you probably have him closer to five I would guess right Dan
1: well, I, I have him down there a little ways, and I, I'd have a hard hard time making him a consensus tight end one, because sure. I would prefer Andrews and Kittle and Kelsey to him, and and that maybe you can make an argument that, hey, wait a minute, Kelsey's 33 years old, and you can certainly make the argument <laughs> that Kittle has been up and down, and he's getting closer to being 30 as well. I have a hard time listening to anybody who wants Pitts over Andrews at this point, despite Andrews struggles this year, which has kind of coincided with that Baltimore offense being a big uh, kind of cluster right there for the Ravens. So uh, personally, I prefer Andrews. It's going to be it, it, I, I got to ask you, who's your who's your tight end to then.
0: It's going to be Andrews, and it's it's really like a 2A, two 2B two with, with Andrews and Kelsey. I mean, from a production standpoint, it's so hard to argue with not having Kelsey there or even having Kelsey as the tight end one still, to be honest with you. But it's just that age. He's got six years uh, – uh, he's six years older than Andrews. He's, he's 11 years older than Pitts. Um, so uh, I have Andrews too, um, but I would be fine putting Kelsey there if you prefer.
1: i i i'm sorry you had him i like yeah i had andrews one so i i'd like to go with andrews as the consensus first and have a conversation about Pitts versus kelsey as the tight end too and you feel so strongly about Pitts, so i'm willing to to make that concession (laughs) if we have to especially because kelsey will be 34 next year and I, i think i've made the argument that there have been a lot of tight ends that that put up big-time fantasy numbers in their age 34, even their age 35 season, Tony Gonzalez being the primary guy. So um, it really comes down to Kelsey versus versus Pitts for the tight end two spot, and then we can decide who's the tight end three.
0: Yeah, I think we go ahead and we put Kelsey in two, uh, and then for me it would be Pitts three. That's the lowest I would want to put him. Uh, I know all the arguments against him, but the arguments for him are still there for me. Um, And, you know, Andrews and Andrews and Kelsey have the production Kittle has has of late, but it's been so inconsistent hasn't really come on since Purdy took over as a starter um and you know since uh Debo got hurt really so uh I think that's why we've had this spike obviously we know how good Kittle is he can have these games every single week if they wanted him to um but he's just not hasn't been used that way by this offense in, in quite some time so for me I'm still having Pitts at, at at three from a consistent standpoint if that's okay with you
1: yeah and I and I'm willing to even concede a tear break after Pitts here yeah uh, and maybe even keeping Kittle outside of that. Personally, I would prefer Kittle um, slightly, but it's ever so slightly over Pitts. Um, and I have a tear break after Kelsey and in front of Kittle and Pitts. But but I understand that that the youth that you can buy with with Pitts and and really the the unknown potential still, maybe not unknown, maybe that's not the right word, but the unseen potential is through the roof and maybe maybe one of the top tight ends we've ever seen. So I, I, I do say that exists there. So we have Andrews, we have Kelsey and Pitts in tier one. Is it safe to say, Matt, that Kittle is the next guy if you're picking a tight end in a startup right now and those top three guys are gone, it's going to be George Kittle?
0: I, I do. I think he is, at least from a it's hard to say from a talent perspective cuz all of these guys are at the, the top are so talented uh, it's also hard to say from a usage perspective because it, it's been inconsistent with him like we've seen but when he's when he's firing and that offense wants him to be a focal point of the offense and in, in any particular week he is locked in as you know like he's basically locked in as as a as a tight end as an upper end tight end one like it, and the weeks that he they want to target him that he they want him to be the focus of the offense it's hard to see him finishing lower than like tight end three i would say so uh just based on that i think he has to be the next guy and, and separate yeah i from had him i
1: had him in here as well and i'm okay making a tier break there as well so we haven't even got to the guy that got me thinking about this TJ Hawkinson, and I did have a conversation with myself, the Kittle-Pitts-Hawkinson area of rankings. I, I ended up with Hawkinson at tight end five. I think there's a conversation to have that maybe Goddard belongs in that same tier as Hawkinson. But right now with the way he's playing with the Vikings, Matt, it really does feel like if you have him going into 2023, you're going to feel pretty good about clicking on his name every single week as you're starting tight end.
0: I think it has to do, uh, or the important thing with Hawkinson is going to be what they do at that wide receiver two position. Uh, I don't have Thielen's contract numbers in front of me, but it's clear that Hawkinson has surpassed him. If they bring in an, a, another talented wide receiver two option, I don't think it's going to be K.J. Osborne has t- kind of taken over that role. He is He's good at what he does, but I don't think he's going to uh, command targets in a way that Hawkinson and Jefferson have certainly, and Thielen has in the past. So if Hawkinson remains that kind of locked-in number two, two option in the passing game, then I think he absolutely belongs in this tier. And maybe could be, like you said, uh, there's a conversation to have him in the same tier with Kittle. But I do think right now he's just outside of that, uh and I think Goddard is just as talented he's just in an offense where he has Devontae Smith and AJ Brown and he has two alphas in front of him so uh yeah I think Hawkinson is kind of in his own little mini tier here as as the fifth depending on how where you want to throw Kittle if you want to throw Kittle with the top three guys and I think Hawkin and, and Goddard are like are like the last two I mean they're really the only two in this in this particular tier
1: Yeah, that you really, really feel good about. I I completely agree with that. I did look up Thielen's contract. They have a big out. They could get out of it this offseason. He feels like the Vikings' Donald Driver. We had Donald Driver as Packer fans. He's, He's their version of that. I think he sticks around, probably takes that lower contract, sticks around for another year. But the days of you clicking on his name in your starting lineup are most likely over. So, Hawkinson falls at tight end five in our consensus. Next on my list... Is Dallas Goddard, and I think he's closer to Hawkinson than the names that are below him. So I'd like to go with with the former South, former South Dakota State tight end. Your thoughts?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I, I think when. He, he's just so good. Like, I think he, if he was a, a focal point of an offense, he would be in the top tier. That's how good I think Dallas Goddard is. It's just a product of that offense around him and how he's never going to be a top two target getter, uh, you know, at least from a season-long perspective. Week to week, sure, they could plan a game plan around him, but he's not going to be, in general, the focus point, focal point of that offense. Whereas if he was in a position where, like, Kelsey or Andrews uh, were, then we'd be talking about him as one of the best tight ends to have in Dynasty.
1: Yeah, completely agree. So he's our tight end six. The next guy I'm going to stand on a soapbox for, I think clearly that my next favorite tight end is Pat Fryermuth, the, the Steelers tight end. He is he goes overlooked in fantasy so often, and he's so productive. He's so, he, he creates a floor, and I know some people might point to, hey, wait a minute, he goosed me. Week 15, didn't have a single catch. They had a backup quarterback, all those things. Fryermuth is solid. I love my rosters where I have Pat Fryermuth, particularly if he's my tight end too with a guy like Zach Ertz who went down and now I can click on Fryermuth's name. I love Fryermuth. I think he's the tight end seven, and I'm very, very confident that he should be.
0: I'm fine with that. I do have Waller one spot ahead. I just think we we it's been so long since we've seen it from Waller. We forget how good he he can be. He's only thirty years old. um you know younger than Kelsey, certainly a little bit older than Andrews, about the same age as Kittle. Uh, but he kind of fell off the map uh, this year for the Raiders, mostly due to injury. Um it was not super impressive this past week. Um but you know, this offense is just struggling right now. <laughs> I think. And a lot of that's gonna to have to do with David with 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 Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr gonna be back? There's a lot of question marks about that. Uh so it's it's tough because he doesn't have he has he has he has Devonte Adams with him now who's obviously sucking up a bunch of targets but I think Waller could easily and still is that second second option uh, for the offense so uh, I'm fine having Friar ahead just because of the age the upside all that kind of stuff but I do think we need to consider uh, that Waller is maybe a little bit undervalued right now just based on what we've seen this season from him
1: yeah and I'm willing to concede that for sure after Fryer Muth I had Waller listed. And I still think he has production in front of him. He's still a guy that I'm okay uh, having as my top guy going into 2023. But I, we've reached the point, certainly, where we want to have two of these names, right? If if we're talking about uh, guys below, Fryermuth and Waller, we certainly need two names that we can we can go back and forth with each week. So at tight end nine, Matt, who do you have after Fryermuth and Waller?
0: I've got David Njoku. Um, okay, and he's been hurt obviously this season as well. But he, it, it feels like to me when we've seen him on the field, he's taken a massive step forward. To, uh, when you compare it at where he was. In previous seasons, even with uh, the addition of the weapons of Cooper and, and Donovan Peoples Jones really kind of stepping up this year, Najoku has stud, stood out to me. Uh, and with that upgrade in quarterback, once they really get this offense kind of put together, it, it just seems like it's not going to really happen until this off season when they can really get some work in with Watson. Um, but he feels like the next guy to me. Like if you were to look at this list, like he is he's physically talented enough. If they were going to make him a focal point of the offense, he could be up in the the five to seven range versus the 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 9 to 12 kind of range um so I've, I've got him here
1: yeah I, I actually had him one spot lower but I I argued with myself and went back and forth just a little bit I had Greg Dulcich at 9 and Nijoku at 10 but I have no problem having Nijoku as our ninth guy who do you have at 10 because it feels like there's there's this is the spot to put the young guy in Denver that has some yep. upside
0: yep I had Dulcich next so uh completely in line with you there
1: Okay, next at eleven, I, I had a little bit of a trouble with this one. I considered Cole Klement. I considered a couple others, but I landed on Dalton Schultz, who while well, when healthy in a good offense has been productive. Who's your guy at eleven?
0: I've got Gerald Everett. Um Schultz. Okay. I, Schultz I don't have in my top twelve. I just and it's more of looking forward. He's certainly been good, especially the last several weeks. Um, but I just, is he going to stay in Dallas? They gave him the franchise tag, you know, are they going to pay him a ton of money? I just don't know if, and if he goes anywhere else, but Dallas, I think he becomes just kind of a guy like kind of an Austin Hooper. Um, you know, one of these, these tight ends that aren't quite, aren't, aren't super athletic. They're going to catch the ball and kind of fall down. Uh, and that's just kind of, kind of his game, I think. So, uh, I have a I have very have a lot of difficulty ranking him in the top twelve uh, just based on his uncertain future.
1: Yeah, and I'm okay with you know I'm okay with that. As I said, I had a little bit of trouble with it. I landed on Schultz and and feel a little icky about it. To be honest with you, it feels like a guy that that has a lot of questions surrounding him. And uh, so I'll defer to you on that. Who do you have as your twelfth guy?
0: I had I had Cole Comet, and it was a toss up for me. Um, between Cole Komet and uh, someone we haven't... I don't think we've considered in this range, and you may not consider this range, but... Chigozium Okonkwo. He's been coming on. He certainly did not have a disappointing week uh, in week 16 for people that took a chance on him in that playoff matchup. But uh, his production in the previous uh, two to three weeks was was very good. Hooper is probably going to be gone. If he takes over that full-time role, I think it could be him and Traylon Burks as the two primary pass catchers. So I like what I've seen from him. Um, but I did stick with Komet at, at 12 for now.
1: Yeah, I went, with, I went with Komet at 12 as well. The other name that I... Uh, I guess flirted with or other names that I flirted with I I thought about Dawson Knox because of the offense he plays in but that just doesn't feel like there's enough upside there I considered Evan Ingram because of the resurgence here of late but there are questions about his contract he only signed the one year deal if he's back in Jacksonville I could see him as the tight end twelve. Um, but that wraps up that this uh, this tight end conversation. It's certainly a fun one to have. We ended up with Andrews, Kelsey, Pitts, and Kittle. We got Hawkinson at tight end five. Dallas Goddard comes in at tight end six, followed by Friarmuth, Waller, Njoku, Dulcich, Komet, and we'll go with uh, Gerald Everett as number twelve in the consensus. Although you can put your favorite name in there. <laughs> Hey, guys, Whoops. let's
0: play a game.
1: Oh, I hit a button. We better play a quick game since it's just me and you, Matt. You get you love the name game, right?
0: <laughs> I do love the name game. Over on
1: your other Dynasty show, right? I I don't really love the name game, but I thought since I can host it, I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. I have three name games for you. We'll do this as quickly as possible. They're all New Year's themed. Okay? So I have an AFC South wide receiver. That's playing on Monday Night Football. And what everybody watches on TV at midnight. I took some liberties on mine. I don't follow all your guys' rules.
0: You must have, because I'm really stumped about this. I'm going to need a clue about the wide receiver. About the the wide
1: receiver wears number one.
0: P- Parrot, Paris Bull drop camp paris Campbell. there you ball go drop? Paris can- <laughs> oh my god that does not work Paris campbell bull drop okay
1: <laughs> they don't drop a bell i guess but i took, told you i took some liberties
0: okay um
1: the place where the ball drops okay and chicago bears least favorite quarterback in the nfl fan chicago bears fans least favorite quarterback
0: I'm sorry. What was the first half of the clue again? The place where the ball drops. Times Square in Rogers. Very
1: good. Two for two. Well done, Matt. <laughs> All right. Our final one is it falls from the sky. <laughs> oh, what, what am I saying? No. <laughs> I'm not great at this. I shouldn't host, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not
0: sure you can host this one either. The, yes.
1: The 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 <laughs> what falls from the sky? What falls from the sky when the clock rings midnight and Joe Burrow's wide receiver.
0: Confetti
1: Higgins. Very good, man. <laughs>
0: Here we go.
1: We struggled through it. Those were really easy, but I didn't make very good notes. I kind of struggled through it. I'm sorry to those. If you guys love the name game like Matt does, you got to check out his podcast, Matt, right? Tell him about it.
0: Yeah, come listen to Dynasty Game Night with myself, uh, John Bosch, Russ Fisher out, Dynasty Outhouse, and Rocky Petrella. Um, it's a, If you like games, then you'll probably like it. If you like game shows, you'll like it. It's basically games about a game, which is fantasy football about a game, which is NFL football so we, we go you three levels play the name game every week we play and game I've game played game four
1: times and I've ever I've never gotten one right I've never dinged in fast enough to get a and
0: point and yet and yet you're the champion of this year I am so, yeah, I, I don't I
1: think I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out as a champion you know I'm gonna do the whole uh, John Elway thing <laughs> yeah that's my only <laughs> chance uh it was my only it was one one good run so uh we're gonna get Ryan back next week that should be great uh, but I had fun, Matt, this week. Just just the two guys uh, hanging out and talking Dynasty with all of you out there. We want to uh, thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, for Matt, I am Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.